Hello, welcome to the show up dad. This is a podcast for tradesmen, fathers looking to level up their fathering skills. Today we have a special guest, Audrea Sullivan. She is a licensed clinical mental health counselor and provides counseling and neurofeedback in North Carolina. With over 11 years of experience, Audrea is committed to helping individuals reach their wellness goals and live their lives with intention. Her vision is to meet you where you are and encourage growth by focusing on your mental, physical, and spiritual health. Today's topic is going to talk about dads and how they get burnout too, and why and how many of them feel they can't talk about it. So to give you a brief breakdown, burnout is a state of mental and physical exhaustion that can zap the joy out of your career, friendships, and family interactions. Continual exposure to stressful situations like caring for an ill family member, working long hours, or witnessing upsetting news related to politics and school safety can lead to this stress condition. People experiencing burnout often feel like they have nothing left to give and may dread getting out of bed each morning. They may even adopt a pessimistic outlook toward life and feel hopeless. Andrea, uh, uh, Audrea, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so happy to have you on here and I welcome you to this podcast and uh, just to get your information about burnout, this topic. And, you know, I, I'd like to have you encourage you to give our audience, you know, a brief breakdown of a little bit more about you. Awesome. You well, mind. thank you, David, for having me on. Um, I'm Adria Sullivan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say when you first approached me to be on this podcast for dads, I was a little hesitant. Um, clearly a woman, um, and most of my work is in helping women fight burnout and learn communication techniques to really connect with their partners, to raise healthy and confident kids, um, and do all of that while still trying to maintain their sense of self. Um, but when I really took the time to think about it, we're all similar in our desire for connection, as well as our struggle to get past our own negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, plus I really thought this was a great opportunity for me to share my family's personal struggle with burnout and offer some hope that through God's amazing grace, we can all get through the tough times. So I hope today I can, um, provide you all with some insight, some extra tips and give you hope that there is another way if you're feeling tired, exhausted, and burned out. Well, that's so awesome that you're on here once again, Audrea. Um, let's go ahead and, you know, just dive deep into this topic, okay? Sure. What are some of the signs of burnout? And is it hard to spot? Yeah. Well, I do find that burnout is easily noticed, mm-hmm. but people try to just plow through it. They buckle down, they work harder. Um, but unfortunately, that just leads to more burnout, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, it's often dismissed, um, and maybe your friends or your family are the ones that start to bring it to your attention and just kind of tell you they've noticed a behavior change, but overall we just keep pushing forward and we justify our actions, even when they might be hurtful to ourselves and those around us Mm. in a perfect world. When someone brings that to your attention, this could lead to healing and problem solving and self-awareness, but instead our internal alarm goes off and we, you know, it kind of screams to us, like, just get over it. You're fine. This is only going to be for a short time. We, We have to do this. Yeah. So, right. Like 
I absolutely get that your self-defense mechanisms are there to support you, or I'm sorry, to protect you Mm -hmm. (laughs) and support you, I guess. Um, But, you know, if you believe you have to work long hours in order to provide for your family, then when those people come to you, you're not going to give a crap about what they say about you being crabby or irritable or looking tired. Um, You're just going to protect that value of yours at all costs. But what if the value that you have was developed due to some irrational beliefs? I'm going to get, I do want to get to that a little bit later on about like, what is an irrational belief? Mm. But let me answer your question, um, you know, about what does burnout look like? So I want to give you a few ideas of what to look for to determine if you might be headed down the path of burnout. So um, I'm glad this is recorded because, you know, these are a lot of questions, but um, write them down if you can, or just if you can say yes to any of these. Mm -hmm. Um, So have you become cynical or critical at work? Do you drag yourself to work or have trouble getting started? Have you become irritable or impatient with coworkers, customers, or clients? Do you lack the energy to be consistently productive? Do you find it hard to concentrate? Do you lack satisfaction from your achievements? Do you feel disillusioned about your job? Are you using food, drugs, or alcohol to feel better or just to simply numb out? Mm. Have your sleep habits changed? Are you troubled by um, unexplained headaches, stomach, or bowel problems, or do you have any other physical complaints? Have arguments increased with your spouse? And do you feel you have nothing left to give to your family at the end of the day? So if you could answer yes to any of those questions, You might be headed down a dangerous and self-destructive path, a path that you never meant to set out on. This is the time to reevaluate your beliefs and your values. Hmm. Yeah, those are really good right there that you put down because I I think any person being honest with themselves can at least attest to being at least three. I know I can go through this and, you know, hindsight looking back, I can be like, hey, man, I've experienced every single one of these things, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm surprised my wife actually stayed with me, you know, <laughs> honestly, because I was crabby. I mean, like I said, you know, we, I can recognize with every single one of these mm-hmm. things, you but you I mean? justified it, right? Oh, absolutely. I justified it in the sense that I was being a good provider and I wanted to provide for my family. I wanted mm-hmm. to provide a better life for them. Yeah. And like you touched earlier, I don't think there is a way for my wife. In fact, I know there was not a way for my wife to approach me and tell me, you know, I need you. You know what I mean? One of the things she told me was I'm dating my husband. And another thing she also stated to me was, look, I just want you. I don't, don't, (laughs) you know, all this stuff doesn't matter if I don't have you. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was, but what your, your core belief is, is 
you know, that's not true. Like, no, I'm supposed to provide financially. That's what you mm-hmm. were probably raised to believe. And so we do have to learn to trust our spouse that what they tell us they need is actually what they need. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just our own belief that's getting in the way. I think a lot of it though, from a man's perspective is ego. Sure. You know, I had, I had been down that route to where, you know, I know what it's like to put away diapers or, or buy groceries, you know what I mean? Cause I can't afford both. You know, that's one of the reasons why I chose the line trade. And this is even with a degree. I had a degree in computer networking previous and uh, you know, so I, I, you know, that, that bruise to our ego, our pride, when you're having to do stuff like that and you're working long hours and you're still not making enough, it sucks. It really does. And I vowed, I made this internal vow that I would never be in that situation again. Mm-hmm. So that vow that I spoke over myself, you know, is what drove me to this ambition to where, you know what, I'm going to work as hard as possible. I'm going to do what I need to do, even though deep down inside, I knew that my family was hurting. Yeah. It was that vow that I spoke over myself that kept mm-hmm. me in bondage, you know? And that's not bad. I'm, ambition is great. Mm-hmm but it's kind of those unrealistic expectations you put on yourself and Mm -hmm. dismissing the hurt that, you know, it's really doing kind of focusing on, I guess, in in some ways, just money. And, and I get that you want to, you don't want to have to choose between food and diapers, but in doing that, we kind of put ourselves in a box and stop looking at some alternatives that might allow us, you know, a little bit of the best of both worlds. Mm. Yes, exactly. Simplifying, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> that's, what, that's what my wife always told me. She's like, well, we could always simplify. You know, I don't know why yeah. you want to have a farm. I don't know why you want to have this ranch. You know what I mean? And they're like, no, we're going to have it, you know? But yeah. uh, <laughs> what are some things men can do to openly discuss and talk about their stress? Mm. So I don't just see women. Um, I do have quite a bit of males that come into my practice, but honestly, they are sometimes the hardest to work with. Um, They just tend to be closed off emotionally and their beliefs are so hardwired that they struggle to believe that their family would rather them provide presence over money. Exactly what you just said. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So I generally start off by allowing them to vent and just hold a safe space for them to feel heard. I mean, this isn't all men, but most that I tend to see um, keep all their thoughts in their head. They're just constantly thinking and putting pressure on themselves. They aren't used to allowing them to come out of their mouths and find it very hard to share those feelings. So once I'm able to find a topic that they feel safe about, the rest kind of flows out. So I want all of you men who are listening to know that men attend counseling. Mm. They do. (laughs) There's lots of them out there. There's big, strong, burly men, celebrities. You're the coaches of your favorite sports teams. They come to counseling. It isn't as taboo anymore. Mm -hmm. And going to counseling does not at all mean that you're broken or you have some serious mental health problem. The majority of people come because they're just stressed out and they need somebody to 
take like they, they to dump on, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it just means you are willing to do whatever it takes to improve your overall wellness, be the best father to your kids, show up and be a partner for your wife and live like God intended you to live. Hmm. Um, so these days it's even easier to connect with a therapist. Um, I offer video counseling and a lot of therapists do now due to COVID. Um, I've had clients talk to me in their cars on their lunch breaks. They'll set up their phone in their bathroom while they're just getting ready for the day. Um, or they'll just talk to me in their bed if they just feel like they can't get out. Um, so there's no longer those excuses. Like I don't have time or I can't, I, I just can't get there. So I really encourage you all to, you know, seek that out. But if counseling just doesn't seem to be your thing yet, um, I encourage you to seek out a coach or a mentor, find someone in your life you see as kind of like doing life the right way and talk to them, ask them how they seem to be able to do it all. I promise what you're going to find is that they also struggle in ways and you can learn from that. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the main difference, by the way, between a therapist and a coach, um, coaches don't so much worry about why you are the way they are. Like they don't really go back into um, childhood things. They focus primarily on how to get you where you want to go. Um, in fact, even though I am a therapist in my practice, I love helping people identify the why simply so they feel validated and they can kind of connect the dots. Mm -hmm. However, it's, you know, I really use that future focused approach to avoid dwelling in that negativity. Um, so if your problem is burnout, then we really do need to move forward towards a solution so you don't waste any more time. Mm, I like that. I really do. What are benefits of talking to someone, if any? Oh my goodness. If any, like mm -hmm. there are, I, I believe every single person in this world should be in counseling. Counselors have counselors. Um, you know, God created Eve so that Adam wasn't alone. Mm -hmm. You know, we were never intended to do life alone. Even if you're married and you have friends and um, you feel like you have tons of people around you. We can still feel isolated emotionally. Mm -hmm. uh, negative thoughts come up and it kind of pushes you away from sharing though your true thoughts with those people. Mm -hmm. Like I said, a lot of people are just up in their heads all the time and um, they don't really get out what they need to get out. Um, plus, you know, your friendships and your relationships those are two-sided. You can't, like, you really do have to give and take in order to have a healthy, balanced relationship with people. Mm -hmm. So the biggest benefit from counseling or coaching is that it's all about you. You aren't speaking to someone who needs anything from you. Um, and let's be honest, you already don't have any more to give someone. You don't have to worry about saying the wrong thing or hurting their feelings, feeling judged or listening to their problems. Now, by the way, if you do experience that in counseling, you've gone to the wrong person, 
don't go back and, but don't give up. Just go look for somebody else. It is important that you find the right fit. Not all therapists are the same. Hmm. <laughs> so, um, but talking to someone else um, can also help you learn new ways to communicate your needs to your spouse, hmm. which I feel like that's the vital piece to all of this. You know, traditionally, men are seen as the provider. And although this has evolved with women's rights, the belief that your main attribute to your family is how much money you bring home really needs to be challenged. So earlier I said I wanted to circle back to talking about irrational beliefs. Is that okay if I do that? Yeah, right yeah, now? please, please. Okay. So we all have them. So you're not alone if any of these kind of sound like something you do, but these beliefs are developed through your lifetime. They're fundamental assumptions that we hold about the world that has never been consciously reviewed since we formed them in childhood. Um, and again, this is kind of another plug for the importance of counseling because these are hardwired beliefs. We think they're 100% true and therefore we're completely unaware that that's a problem. So we, if we talk to somebody they can kind of start to point out, hmm, you know, I don't know that that's really a rational thought. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but core beliefs such as I am defective or inadequate. All of my experiences result in defeat or failure. The future is hopeless. I am not enough. Those are beliefs that if you hold on to those, those are gonna skew your perception and they get in the way of your happiness. So there's a ton of irrational thoughts out there. Mm -hmm. um, I really wanted to pull out just four of them that I think when these are put into play, they really can lead to burnout. Okay. Um, so one is called all or nothing thinking. Um, this might be, if you have a thought, you know, if I don't work this specific job, I'll never find another one that pays enough. Um, or, you know, one thing I always ask people to do is include some type of physical activity. So that way that's helping the body's stress response recover. Well, a lot of the times then people will say, well, I, I didn't have a, an hour. I couldn't find an hour in the day. So I just didn't do anything. Well, that's all or nothing thinking. Um, so number two, it's called disqualifying the positives. So basically that's just, you know, there could be positives that are happening all around you, but you're dismissing them and you just keep coming back to maintain this negative. So I hear that when people come in and, you know, spend the first 15 minutes complaining about, you know, their work is horrible. They're at home, their spouse is doing this, their kids are going crazy, nothing's going well. Um, and then I'll say, well, oh, but, you know, didn't you just say, you know, you got a bonus? I'm like, yeah, but that didn't matter. Well, you know, that that's no big deal. <laughs> hmm. You know, so that is what happens when you're starting to burn out, you zero in on all the bad. Hmm. So, um, Number three is jumping to conclusions. Uh, this is kind of 
twofold. You could, in fact, you know, it's like a negative interpretation, even though there are no definite facts that support your conclusion. So um, if you just think people are talking about you, I guess like that could be one. You're just jumping to conclusions. Like they don't even know you. Why are they, why would they be talking about you? Um, this is also done, you know, when I see most people are talking about it, um, let's say you, you come into the room and your wife is sitting on the couch. There's no TV on. She's not really smiling. She's sitting there and looks up at you mm-hmm. to jump to conclusions is like, oh, she's in a bad mood. She's mad at me. I did something. And so you just kind of snap and all of a sudden there's an argument all because you jumped to conclusions. <laughs> wow. Right. Yeah. I know yeah. that that happens. That happens all. <laughs> that happens a lot, actually, yeah, more than right. you think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then four is mind reading. And, and I know that this is huge. So this is where you arbitrarily conclude that somebody is reacting negatively to you or that they should just know what you need from them without using your words. Both mm. men and women are super guilty. Not a single one of us is, you know, free from this area. Um, and I'll tell you right now, your spouse cannot read your mind. They don't know how you feel. They don't know what you really need unless you share it with them. On the flip side, you don't know what she needs unless you set aside a moment that's undistracted and listen and hear her. Like we really do have to show up undistracted for Mm. our spouses and say, you know, like have this, have a chance to share what's actually on your mind and say, you know, what is it that you're thinking without just guessing? I mean, when we guess we're always wrong. Yeah. I mean, most of the time, at least. So, um, I mentioned before the importance of good communication. Yes. Um, Yes. Poor communication practices within the marriage really do lead to devastation. And I know that sounds like a strong word, but it is right on point. Even if you think you're a pro at communicating, you know, I believe you can always be better. Um, In my practice, I recommend a book. um, Is I guess it's okay if I plug somebody at random. Um, So... This book has been instrumental in my own life and every client that actually reads it comes back doing so much better. So it's called Nonviolent Communication Mm -hmm. by Marshall Rosenberg. Don't let the title scare you. It doesn't mean you're out there cursing everyone up and down. It's, it really was just an um, eye opener for me that, you know, some words that you use every day that you don't think and hurt really can actually cause immense pain in your partner. Um, So it teaches you how to better talk to your partner without eliciting their defense to go up. Um, And so that way you can actually be more productive. Hmm. Man, that's uh, those are really awesome for you to share with us, especially that book. I, I definitely want to jump oh, into yeah. that because I'm, I'm a firm believer of trying to just be better, you know, throughout, you know, mm-hmm. self-improvement comes mainly from trying to help others. So if I can yeah. help myself and then 
gain knowledge and then try to help others with it, you know, I mean, more kudos, you know, that's, that's amazing. One of the things I wanted to circle back on is you talked about on number two, right? Which is disqualifying the positives. Okay. Mm -hmm. You talked about how positives happen, but you dismiss them and Mm -hmm. you have this negative belief. Why do you think that is? Why do I, I know people aren't inherently negative. I know that. Okay. And I, I actually heard a podcast with Dr. Carolyn Leaf where she talked about the reason why our brains focus on the negative is because we know it's wrong. So our brains automatically red flag it. Okay. They red flag it. They know that this is not right. And that our brains try to tend to want to fix that way of thinking and we wind up focusing on it. And then what you focus on kind of determines what your, you know, your path you're going to be on. Uh, yeah. is that, is that true or, you know, what do you, Oh, that's absolutely true. I mean, our thoughts are the most powerful tool that we have and, you know, the why behind, why do we always go to the negative? Um, I don't know that. I, I think it, you know, you just said it doesn't, it, it's not more the natural thing, but in a way, or maybe the examples that I have in my head it is more natural, or at least it's more normal because, you know, we're our own worst critics. Mm -hmm. We tend to break ourselves down unless we're seeking out self-help and self-development and we're, you know, actually working to be that better person. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, those negative thoughts are, are easy to mint. Um, you know, the dismissing the positives, I think happens more often when somebody is depressed Mm -hmm. or is just in a state of high stress because they don't have a ton of energy to sit there and work on it. And they're just convinced that it's their way. Um, And so I don't try to, you know, force that person to see the positives. Um, instead when it's that bad, you know, it's like, let's, let's come at this from another angle. Why don't we work on, you know, getting a little bit of exercise in and, and, you know, that's never to say exercise cures all, but if it, if it does actually decrease your level of stress, then I might be able to talk to you about replacing those negative thoughts with more positive thoughts, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And it, it, man, and I just to want to touch on that again, um, you were saying that it takes energy, right, to to have these positive thoughts, to get out of that that stump, right? So, in a sense, being human beings, you know, if you go back into f- flight or fight, right, type scenario, mm-hmm. our brains want to, you know, hold on to as much energy as possible, right, when we're in these situations. So we're not going to want to tend to focus on, on the good, right? Because we're conserving energy, you know, it's hard work to, to think on positive things, right? Mm -hmm. So your brain automatically starts focusing on these negative things because why it's, it's easier, you know, you're conserving energy because you're you're in this fight or flight type mentality, I guess, you know what I mean? I mean, that absolutely. And that's why, you know, that is the fear center of our brain, just setting off those alarms. And when I recognize that, 
that's why you don't just keep pressing the button and, Mm -hmm. you know, increasing that alarm. So you have to find ways to allow your brain or your body to relax and just decrease the stress before you, you can enter into that realm. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's good stuff right there, man. I was, um, I was reading this one article where this one father told the Huffington post, right? He said, we're expected to not feel we're expected to just kind of do it without ever having any cracks. Okay. Now that resonated with me as, as a father, as a lineman, as a tradesman, you know, cause I know what it's like to go to work sick, injured, exhausted, you know, I, uh, you know, burnout becomes a perpetual state of being at that point, you know, where you're basically running on these fumes, but still finding a way to keep doing because you're trying to provide for your family. Mm-hmm. Right. And sometimes, you know, I know for myself, you know, you start developing keystone habits, you know, keystone habits, you know, could be good or bad. And you know what I mean? And the keystone habits I started developing in order to stay clipped in as linemen called it, you know, to keep my head in the game. So I wouldn't get injured or hurt or get anybody else injured or hurt is I started taking stimulants. You know, I started, you know, hitting two or three Red Bulls or, you know, now the, the drink of the day is uh bangs, you know what I mean? There's yeah. like 320 milligrams of caffeine in them things, you know, it's like liquid cocaine, you know, <laughs> but you start having all these stimulants, um, I started finding myself drinking three a day because, you know, you're becoming dependent, you know, and I had a cardiologist talk about how that attributes to all these other, you know, creating other underlying health problems with your heart, with your sleep arrhythmia, all all, all kinds of different crazy stuff that goes on with the stimulants, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts on how that affects your neurofeedback? And what problems have you seen with stimulants and stuff like that? Yeah, I'm so happy you bring this up. Um, Well, I am not against caffeine consumption in the form of black coffee or better yet, bulletproof coffee. Um, Caffeine or the use of other stimulants, such as like, you know, Adderall, energy drinks, cocaine, those can all increase your body's stress response even further. You know, like you said, you develop a tolerance and you have to have more and more, or now you have a headache and now you're uncomfortable and that's no fun. Um, so there are two types of stress, good and bad stress is how you felt, you know, maybe on your wedding day. Bad stress is having a horrible boss who micromanages and puts you down. But both cause your body to react in similar ways. It's just that, you know, good stress fades away more quickly and it's balanced out with that feeling of euphoria. Mm -hmm. But when we do the damage to our bodies, um, you know, by having stimulants, this is like toxic stress or can become that. So toxic stress leads to this adoption of unhealthy lifestyles, which can adversely impact your health. Like you're saying, you know, your brain's ability to function at its best and then bleeds into affecting your family dynamics. These unhealthy lifestyle choices might be stimulants, but you know, they can also be alcoholism, tobacco use, drugs, overeating, promiscuity, gambling. Um, And also let's not forget this can 
come out as like quick tempered and yelling a lot of in the home. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and honestly, what I see is, you know, if you're all hopped up on stimulants, then you're not going to be so slow to think through the problems, right? Like you're going to, your kids are going to be a little crabby and you're going to be quick to pop off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so, um, but our bodies and brains function best when they find balance. Um, when we have like a healthy sleep cycle and feed it the foods that, uh, you know, naturally allow it to have good energy and we avoid toxins such as, you know, maybe artificial sweeteners and other additives. Uh, but, you know, I want to point out too that when, like I said, this bleeds into your family dynamics, kids are affected more than you might realize. Um, and what I'm about to say, this is by no means meant to make you feel guilty or shameful because we're, none of us are perfect. Um, we're all going to do something um, and our kids are going to be fine as long as we keep trying to show up as our best self. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, but if your unhealthy choices are bleeding into your kids' lives, which they are, understand that your parenting style can actually alter their brainwave pattern. So you brought up neurofeedback. Um, mm-hmm. When brainwaves are not in alignment, depending on where that actually is in the brain, it results in like a slew of symptoms. It could be that child develops an inability to focus. Um, a dysfunctional memory, anxiety, depression. There's so many symptoms that can happen when your brain waves are just out of alignment. Mm-hmm. Um, so for, let me tell you guys like a little bit about what neurofeedback is. That, that is a medication-free approach to um, treating things like PTSD and um, anxiety, depression, and ADHD. Um, but for starters, neurofeedback starts with a brain map, which simply takes a picture of your brainwave patterns. And we know based on the dysfunction of the brainwaves, that's what produces certain symptoms. Over time in my practice, um, we can actually work to rewire the brain and have it gravitate towards choosing the correct brainwave pattern through positive rewards. So bottom line with all of this, we need a brain that is working right. Yes. <laughs> um, our brains are amazing and they are perfectly designed. In a perfect situation, you'd grow up with parents who allowed you to explore, problem solve, and learn self-control and be there for you emotionally. Um, You'd never bump your head. You'd never have a food allergy or sensitivity and you'd manage your stress with ease. Well, unfortunately, welcome to the real world. (laughs) We're all a little messed up inside of our heads and that's okay too. (laughs) Yeah. That's why you go to counseling. So, but still your brain is really cool. You know, if it does get damaged, it begins the process of rewiring. Um, You know, even if you get a concussion or, man, you lose, you lose one of your senses um, or you were just totally emotionally neglected, your brain begins rewiring. So this is why, you know, 
if you've heard stories, people that lose sight, mm-hmm. they, they've actually developed um, the ability to do like echolocation. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that is crazy. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> so, um, but in order for your brain to do this, you have to take care of it. Um, when, when my clients come in, you know, I say, I can do this part. I can train your brain to work for you, but you have to do your part. You have to, you know, stop any drug use if you're doing that. Um, you have to try to work towards better sleep health. Mm-hmm. And just, and, and if you have any food allergies, eat correctly for your body or that causes inflammation in your brain. And it's constantly just working against you. So, you know, burnout, stress, poor nutrition, it all affects your brain's ability to work its magic. And then it goes into survival mode. It stops telling you that it's thirsty, you're hungry, you're tired because, you know, you stopped listening. So it's going to stop sending out those signals. Hmm. I love the brain. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. I had a guest on here. Uh, In fact, I just, uh, you know, posted his podcast earlier this week. His name's Andrew Marr and Mm -hmm. uh, he works with Warrior Angels Foundation and uh, he was talking about brain waves and stuff like that as well. And it seems like the general consensus between all these doctors, you, Dr. Carolyn Leaf, and you know others, is that inflammation. Inflammation's a yes. major part of everything, from the cardiologist talking about inflammation in the heart, from the way we eat and stress to inflammation to the brain. I mean, it, it's it's crazy how that's linked with so many different debilitating issues that we have in in society today. You know right. what I mean? Absolutely. And uh, it's just amazing how men are experiencing such high stress, lack of sleep, and, you know, they're having heart risk, you know, you know, heart disease, type two, diabetes, obesity, all these different things, mental illnesses, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. What can you give the audience? What kind of tips can you give the audience to kind of combat this with men? Mm -hmm. Well, um, you're spot on toxic stress continues to break us down emotionally and physically. Mm-hmm. Um, often I have highly stressed out clients that, you know, want me to help them focus better. Cause that's the problem that they see. Um, clearly if you're burning out, you can't focus. Um, if you can focus more, you can do more, you can be more and you can have more, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but more is the opposite of the solution, unless we're talking more sleep. So a huge tip that I can give is start with your sleep. Um, if you do not fall asleep within 15 minutes of laying down, that's an indication of a sleep problem or sleep disruption. I should say, um, if you fall asleep immediately, when you close your eyes, no matter where you are, that's an absolute indication that there's a sleep problem. So when you sleep, your brain goes into work, repairing, restoring, um, you consolidate all the information you learned that day, you rebuild your cells. So if you're not sleeping or, you know, you're at night, your brain is still coming off of the stimulants that you put in it, then you are literally speeding up your death. Wow. I know that sounds dramatic, but that's literally what's happening, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that is, um, that's, that's interesting that you said that. Cause I know when I was taking a lot of stimulants, you know, I would have a hard time sleeping and, yeah. and 
another um another point i want to bring out is you know i i lost my brother and uh for about a month i had trouble sleeping i could not oh, sleep sure. you know and i guess it was the stress or whatever oh, sure. was, was going on you know but uh i started having it like heart palpitations and everything else you know what i mean you know yeah. thank god that's gone away but you yeah. know it was real, you know what I mean? I guess my brain was sending these signals to me and be like, Hey, you know, something's off in you, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, but, uh, I like that you said that you were having a hard time falling asleep. Okay. Now I never looked at it that way where you said, you know, if you fall asleep within 15 minutes, that's awesome. I've done that too. Yeah. But if you're falling asleep right away, I, I, I never knew that that was an indication that you're having a sleep issues. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I, I really have had clients that I'm just doing a map on and I'm like, you know, today you won't really fall asleep. I'm going to be actually working on your head and they're out. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> to keep poking them, to wake them up. Um, and absolutely. I mean, that's, that is your brain is so tired that the moment you shut your eyes, it shuts down. It shouldn't really be like that. We should be able to close our eyes a little bit and recharge without you know, totally thinking down into sleep mode. Um, would you like for me to share a couple tips on, you know, just a couple ways that I try to teach sleep health? Yeah. Yeah. If you don't mind, please. Okay. Um, so the first thing I say is just try to get on a solid routine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, I, and I, I promise I understand that this is hard if you work a swing shift or, you know, night shift, whatever that might be. And so again, please come back to the idea that it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, Just try to do your best to set aside, you know, at least seven hours of sleep. Um, And the best recommendation is if you, if you don't have a swing shift or whatnot, try to wake up and go to sleep about the same time. And Um, that will just help your circadian rhythms come back into alignment and, and help you out the best that you can. Um, now the hour or so just before you're going to sleep, try to develop a more relaxing nighttime routine. Mm -hmm. So I know everybody fights me on this, but (laughs) your time should not involve screens. It should not involve TV. There shouldn't, ideally there shouldn't be a TV in your bedroom. Um, because we associate, we should associate the bedroom with just sleeping so that when you walk in, your brain is signaled to say, oh, okay, good. It's time to fall asleep versus it's time to watch my favorite show. (laughs) So if you're that person, you're going to fight me on that, you know, at least try to use a blue filter, the blue light filter, um, and don't look at work or anything else that's going to elicit you know, a stress response. Okay. Try it. Try that. <laughs> hmm. um, during that nighttime routine, you could do some stretching, praying, meditation, um, just, or, or you start your whole nighttime routine with like a nice warm shower just to put the day behind you and get ready for bed. So um, I mentioned meditation. I know that is another big sensitive topic, especially for men. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <laughs> I think that's mostly because you you might have some preconceived notions about what that means or what that looks like. Um, You know, I'm not saying you have to become a yogi or get to monk status by any means. 
but <laughs> um, in our world today, you are constantly bombarded with information and there is such a thing as information overload. And, and really that's a huge cause to stress and burnout. So meditation is just simply learning how to turn off your thoughts and be in the moment and have like just that moment to clear everything out mm -hmm. so you can find a moment of peace. Um, it's, if you've never done that before, I would recommend doing guided meditation. Um, that can be found on apps like the Calm app. On the Calm app, there's actually a really good series called How to Meditate. And it takes you through 30 days of how to meditate and answers questions for you. Um, that has really been a good hit with my male clients. Um, you can also just go to YouTube type in five minute guided meditation for sleep or five minute guided meditation for anything. Don't get caught up with the length of time. Start somewhere and, you know, challenge yourself to get as far as you want. Mm. Um, but I, I know that that's not easy and your thoughts are going to try to take you elsewhere. But this is just a practice of becoming self-aware and noticing that they're trying to leave and grabbing a hold of them and bringing them back to you. And that's definitely something our audience is going to really like. I'm going to be looking at that calming app, you know, because, yeah. because I'm guilty of, you know, we had a, you know, damn Netflix, you know, <laughs> know. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, uh, I got caught up in Cobra Kai, like everybody. I try to watch everything in one night you know that's just my personality um yep. and one of the reasons why i don't drink is because if i had a 30 pack well by golly i'm gonna finish that 30 pack you know that's just <laughs> my mentality so uh same thing with uh you know netflix you know we had the kingdom that came out and then cobra kai and all these different things so i try to stay up watching every single one of them you know so i definitely want to implement this uh, calming app in there and try to clean up my uh you know, time before I sleep, you know what I mean? That way I can get better sleep. You know, one of the things yeah. that really, really resonated with me is when you said that we're dying, literally, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> with our brains, you know? <laughs> so yeah. um, I wanted to ask you something. Sure. Have you experienced burnout or recognized burnout in someone, you know, firsthand? Audrey, can you share with our audience? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, personally, myself, I've experienced burnout a couple of times in my life. Um, burnout when I first started in the counseling field, um, where I was just working really long hours and put in dangerous situations and, you know, definitely was not making money, the, the type of money I felt like I should for putting myself in those situations. Mm -hmm. um, and then again, you know, after my first child was born, um, I went from just being super ambitious and driven, you know, I was wanted to make a big difference in the world. Um, and all of a sudden I found myself living in a tiny apartment, two and a half hours away from family. And my husband worked all the time. So I was expected to run the household without ever really requesting that role. And that definitely started to take a toll on me. Um, but luckily, you know, I've, I've been fairly self-aware the whole time. Maybe it's because I went to school for counseling. I'm not sure. 
Um, but I knew myself enough and I felt confident enough that, you know, my husband would support anything I came up with. So, you know, I kind of threw myself in other activities that made me or helped me feel some meaning and excitement and just brought, brought me back to who I felt like I was. Um, and then, you know, within my own marriage, um, you know, when we were, before we had kids, we had this grand plan, you know, we were gonna, we wanted to get a big house and live on the beach with our three boys and we were never going to stop working. And so, you know, we, we tried, we chased my husband's promotions that moved us all around the country. Um, um, that's actually why I stopped working to raise our two girls. Um, but never along the way did we stop and reevaluate. Hmm. My husband took it upon himself to take on any and every opportunity. He justified it by saying, you know, this is going to get us closer to our goals. And, um, you know, he would be gone four to five days a week. And when he was home, he wasn't really home. He was working more hours and out of the house. So, you know, in 2016, um, you know, this lack of communication and these beliefs that he held on to, it truly led to that destruction that I was talking about earlier. Um, it led to infidelity. Um, he did end up losing his job and we found ourselves homeless with two kids under two. Wow. So it was quite the time that probably could have been prevented, but you know, when God gave us two girls instead of three boys, you'd think that that would be enough of a sign to realize we weren't in control. Right. <laughs> and, you know, maybe we could have adopted ways of life based on, um, you know, what God says he wants from us instead of relying on our own immature goals. Um, you know, but that's okay. We, we got through it. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I kept, I come back to the scripture, Matthew 6, 24. Um, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And part of, you know, my husband's, I don't know if it's my right to say part of his downfall, but um, I do think that was because you know, him or I, we were focused on the money side and thinking that that was going to help us and we were neglecting God. Hmm. So, you know, I do believe all things came crashing down at once because the burnout level was so high for both of us. Um, well, my husband didn't realize that his health and our marriage was at stake, the amount of time and energy he put into his job did lead to him burning out. And I really just felt like I was withering away. Um, so, but believe it or not, um, by the grace of God, I'm thankful for that time in our lives. I do not regret it. Um, I know that sounds crazy when I say that, but you know, I don't know why we always have to wait till we hit rock bottom before we wake up and make a change. Mm -hmm. But I hope today you all take what I'm sharing and start the path of self-awareness and healing, you know, start communicating with your spouse about what's 
working and what's not, you know, know that your wife or your spouse wants a partner and not just a piggy bank. Um, challenge the beliefs that you might hold that are old and out of date and they just aren't working for you anymore. I would have traded the big house for a closer connection with my husband any day. Wow. And I can, that, that your story just really resonates with me as well. Cause that's one of the things that my wife told me too. She's like, I want a husband, you know what I mean? I don't care about the house or any of these things. I want my husband. I'm dating my husband. <laughs> now, something that you said really stuck with me is you talked about how, um, you know, Matthew 6, 24, how you can't serve two masters. Right. Mm-hmm. And that holds true. You know, that, that, that scripture right there really just blows out the whole entire notion that we can multitask, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause we can't, and we think we can, we think we can juggle all these different things. You know what I mean? I can, I can do this. I can do this. I can have my, you know, you're chasing after your own selfish desires, whatever, you know, I deserve this or whatever, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of that. That's, that's exactly what I did. One of the things I heard a pastor one time say, and I thought this was just really, really astounding. He said, when your dreams become your spouse's nightmares, it's time to really uh, reevaluate your situation. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. I, I thought I it was, just, yeah, it, it was, it was solid. I mean, it was solid. You know what I mean? And one of the things I always try to talk about on this, I mean, obviously this is a father you know, we're trying to ignite the fire for father engagement, yeah. stuff like that. And I like to bring on different perspectives to, to help fathers see, you know, like from a woman's perspective, what a spouse goes through, you know, and, and different things like that. You know, I'm trying to add as much value as possible to each and every one of the listeners out there. Um, with that being said, you know, I think that a lot of women, you know, who are with their husbands traveling, you know what I mean? You said that you never opted for, and see, I, I try to see if I can quote you correctly. Okay. It said that you <laughs> never opted being, you never bought into being a home alone, staying at home. That was not something that you wanted. You, you just kind of got put in that situation. Right. 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 And, you know, that resonates with my wife as well. She, she told me the exact same thing. You know, I didn't, I didn't choose to be isolated because I bought a farm. I did. I bought a farm. I moved. We're four hours away from my family, um, two hours or, you know, about an hour away from her family, at least. And, uh, you know, I totally isolated her. You know what I mean? And, and it wasn't that I wasn't looking at his isolation. I wanted the country. I wanted my kids growing up, you know, where they didn't have to worry about running out in the street and getting hit by a car if they're chasing their ball and stuff like that. And I guess it was you know, fear on my behalf, you know, cause I knew I was going to be gone. I knew I was going to have to, you know, I wasn't going to be there for them because I was yeah. going to be working. So I wanted a safe environment. Well, what better safe environment than putting them out in the country where they have this big old property to <laughs> run in and stuff like that. Right. Well, that was wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so anyway, I'll, back to what I was saying. A lot of women now are, you know, stuck in the trailers, you know, traveling with their husbands, they're homeschooling, they're raising these two kids, and they're doing the best that they can. Yeah. You know, their husbands are providing, you know what I mean? They're, they're working. And a lot of these women's, if, if you really ask them, instead of asking the husband, you know, I, I also at our church, we lead a, uh, 
uh, marriage on the rocks class, both my wife and I. And a lot of times you, when you ask the husband, well, how's your marriage going? He's going to tell you everything's great. Right. We're doing awesome. Amazing. You know, what we really need to do is ask the wives, how's everything going? Really? You know, you talk to a wife, she's not going to lie to you. She's going to, you're going to see the pain. You're going to see the hurt. You're going to see the disconnection in her. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think it's, it's, it's really smart to start really talking to our wives and asking them, how do you really feel? You know, I, and trust them, trust them when they tell you that they just want a husband and they don't need all of these other things that you think they need. Absolutely. (laughs) I wanted to ask you one more thing. I know we're kind of getting lengthy on time. How did this whole situation that you went through, how did it create trust issues and how did you overcome those issues created? Um, well, absolutely. It created trust issues. Um, you know, together though, we, I mean, it, it took a lot of mentoring, um, and going to counseling and doing some marriage retreats that were very intensive. Um, luckily the community helped us to be able to do that. We were not in a situation to be able to, but, um, God made it happen. Um, and you know, I think what helped was it didn't cross my mind. It, it, it crossed my mind into, Oh no, does this mean we have to get a divorce? But it never crossed my mind that this is what I want, that I have to do this. I already made a commitment that this was going to be forever. And I realized that if we were going to get through that I had to make another commitment that I was going to forgive him. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't keep rehashing things over and over. And we just had to grow. Now, I wouldn't say, you know, he made it easy to get through that, but his willingness and vulnerability and the fact that he jumped back in to his walk with Christ that's what made us stronger than ever. And Mm. that is like really why I tell people, you know, I'm so happy that help that happened because we now have a testimony. We have a story that we can help other people. And without that, you know, we probably wouldn't be as strong as we are today. Wow. That's amazing. I'm so, you know, I'm just so happy that you guys were able to uh, go through the struggles that you guys did and were able to overcome them, you know, as a couple, you know, you guys Mm -hmm. absolutely went through adversity, you know, and I think adversity makes people stronger, you know, if you allow it to take its course and make the adjustments and allow that growth to happen, you know, pain is growth, you know? Yes. Um, I wanted to ask you one last thing, Audrey. Okay. I read somewhere where it says all or nothing thinking is a trap. Okay. Can you, Mm -hmm. can you expand a little bit on that? Um, well, it's just not true. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the, you know, just the all or nothing mindset, just, it, it kind of leads you into this idea that things have to be perfect and, you know, 
if, if it's not perfect, then why do it? Um, and we have to realize it's okay to not be perfect. That's really unachievable. Yeah. And so if we can come back to say, you know, my something is actually enough. I can give a little bit of me to these different areas. Um, you know, all the areas that I said would be helpful, the physical activity, the nutrition, the sleep, you know, if you don't just fight against it and say, well, that's too much to add that that's the all or nothing. Just say, you know what? I can commit to one minute a day, right? Just one, one minute or five minutes. Um, that five minutes adds up. You're going to be doing way more for yourself and your stress levels. If you focus on what you can do, those are those thoughts, those powerful thoughts that we have, you know, focus your energy on what you can do and what is going right. And you'll get there. Hmm. And Adria, thank you so much for all your information. I mean, this is, I wrote so many notes on this. I mean, I know this is going to be a tremendous blessing and you're going to bring a lot of value to our listeners. Um, one thing I want to ask is if you could please tell our audience how they can get a hold of you. I mean, I, I know you're going to have calls from this. Uh, can you please share with us, you know, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Sure. Um, my website is cognitive-clarity.com. And um, I do provide mental health counseling here in North Carolina, as well as Indiana. But I also provide coaching support, and that's over the whole United States. Um, and, you know, for some of your wives, if they are, you know, experiencing some of the, the things that I shared, um, I also do provide a Facebook group. It's free. It's called Sanity Savers for Super Moms. And I teach how to feel good in your own skin and how to communicate your needs and um, all types of tips and tricks to, you know, just empower your wives to feel and look, feel, look, and, you know, just be their best. Well, Audrey, I thank you so much for just being able to share your testimony, to be able to share your knowledge with our customers or not our customers, but our, our listeners. <laughs> and uh, I just, I just really thank you for having the courage to just come on here today and just be able to bless us with your presence. I mean, this is absolutely. Great, thank you. Absolutely. This is a great podcast. And I thank you for coming on here. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you.